Could family genetics be a reason that no matter what we try, we still can't lose the fat and inches from our problem areas? To learn more, we spoke to Dr. Brian Strand from Sonobello. While some people can eat everything and stay thin, others diet and exercise daily and still pack on fat and inches to their problem areas. It's not your fault. It can be genetics. If you struggle to lose the fat from your tummy, love handles, thighs, and back, you're likely battling your family genetics. The good news is we have an answer. Sonobello uses a remarkable technique called microlaser fat removal. In one comfortable visit, the fat in your hardest places to lose is gone permanently. Stop wrestling with your family genes and lose the fat permanently. And right now, you can save $250. The results are life-changing. Do this for you. Don't wait. Visit sonobello.com slash save. sonobello.com slash save. sonobello.com slash save. This is A Different Perspective with Kevin Randall. A retired U.S. Lieutenant Colonel, Kevin Randall has been studying UFOs for nearly 50 years. Kevin has investigated some of the most famous UFO cases in the world and has been consulted for dozens of documentaries about UFOs. Considered one of the leading experts into the Roswell UFO crash of 1947, Kevin has written more than 25 books about UFOs, including the recently published Roswell in the 21st Century. Now, here is the host of A Different Perspective, Kevin Randall. And welcome to this edition of A Different Perspective. I'm Kevin Randall. I'm going to be joined momentarily by Stephen Bassett. Uh, Stephen is the executive director of the Paradigm Research Group, founded in 1996 to end the government-imposed embargo on the truth behind extraterrestrial-related phenomenon. He has spoken to audiences around the world about the implications of formal disclosure by world governments of an extraterrestrial presence engaging the human race and has given over a thousand radio and television interviews, PRGs, that's the Paradigm Research Group, of course. Advocacy work has been extensively covered by national and international media, and including being featured by CNN, Fox News, MSNBC, The Washington Post, The New York Times, New York Magazine, Washington Times, Chicago Tribune, and on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, and of course, A Different Perspective. In 2013, PRG produced a citizen hearing on citizen hearing on disclosure at the National Press Club in Washington. In November of 2014, PRG launched a two political initiative launched two political initiatives in Washington D.C. One sought the first hearings on Capitol Hill since 1968 regarding the extraterrestrial presence issue. The other sought to inject the ET issue into the 2016 presidential campaign. Bassett has appeared in many documentary films and his lectures and interviews are well represented on YouTube. Stephen Bassett, welcome to A Different Perspective. Nice to be with you, Kevin. It's been about, I think, what, about a year and a half since I was last on. I didn't think it was quite that long. I thought we we had done something else, but we've had a lot of other activities in the last year and a half too, including including the derecho, which knocked me off the air for a number of weeks because everything went down and uh, we had no electricity and no internet access and things like that. So maybe it has been that long, but welcome back anyway. I'm sure you've written at least two books since then, so it's time to have me back on. <laughs> 
uh, at least two books, and and uh, actually have a series of books called Vietnam Ground Zero that are being re-released. We wrote them in the 1980s, Bob Cornett and I, and they're being reduced by re-released by a English publisher. And you can go to www.vietnamgroundzero.com to learn about some of my activities in Vietnam, which is sort of a tie into that uh, into that book. But I digress. Stephen, what's uh, what's going on with disclosure? <laughs> <laughs> okay, <clears throat> that's a, a specific question. I'm sure I can go right to that. Um, uh, well, first of all, your, for your audience's benefit, what is disclosure and the question that you ask? In my world, it's uh, the prize uh, at the end of an activist movement, which you could call the disclosure activist movement. Uh, and it is the final confirmation of the extraterrestrial presence by our own government which would mean from the president of the United States, a confirmation. It's a capital D, it's an event. Uh, it's the day we get that confirmation. Not everything else, just that confirmation. And of course, it will spread worldwide. And so the question is, what is the, what's the latest regarding our progress towards that event? A lot is happening. Um, I'll try to how to describe it. The last three years have been unprecedented uh, in this 70-year uh, uh, road we've been on. It started with the To the Stars Academy's annou uh, announcement of uh, its existence, its uh, launching in, in October of uh, 2017, but then was kicked into high gear when two major stories appeared in the New York Times on December 16th, and those stories were primarily provided to them by the To The Stars Academy team, uh, but then vetted, of course, by the New York Times and then published. And these were groundbreaking. They did, this did occur, however, in the middle of some very extraordinary political circumstances in the United States, unprecedented in my lifetime, uh, though I, I was, you know, I was just a kid during uh, the, the Eisenhower administration and the Truman administration, but still I know a little something about that time and what was going on during that period, the last four years, unprecedented. And so the effect of those extraordinary stories were far, was muted. It would have been far greater under different circumstances. But nevertheless, since then, there has been a cascade of, of, uh, of events, actions, statements coming from all directions, from uh, intellectuals, scientists, uh, witnesses, uh, government agencies, the Navy, the Army, po politicians, uh, and there's been plenty of coverage of this. In fact, at my website, paradigmresearchgroup.org, got to learn how to spell paradigm. It's going to be a very important word soon. Um, I have a section under resources called print media archive. If someone were to go to the site, click on resources, scroll down to print media archive, go to the archive, and then go to October, I'm sorry, uh, go to October 10, rather, 2017, where you'll see the first earmarked article regarding the To The Stars Academy. You can then read forward chronologically uh, 700 earmarked articles related to the TTSA, as well as the subsequent events directed and indirectly directed connected to the TTSA, 700 articles. And then 
if you want to go further, you go up to issues, scroll down to to the Stars Academy, go to the media part, and I have about 160 videos up right now connected to the TTSA, including interviews they have, uh, statements they have made, interviews they have given, as well as uh, uh, video news coverage of it. About 160 articles. Well, let me let me interrupt here because I have a question. Hasn't there been some dissension in the ranks of the two to the Stars Academy in the last uh, few weeks? No, 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 not dissension in the ranks. That is one of the you know recent developments. Since you ask, what's the latest? Uh, a couple weeks ago, three of the key people who were part of the TTSA launch, the initial team, Luis Elizondo, Chris Mellon, and Steve Justice, uh, stepped away from the TTSA, separated. This was not dissension. This was simply something they had to do. The TTSA has replaced them or has, has a team underway, and it's going to continue to move forward. It recently announced that they're adjusting their mission statement a little bit, uh, maybe focus a little less on research. None of this surprises me. Uh, this is what I would have expected. Because there is a larger agenda going on. Uh, so in order to really get this uh these understand some of these events that are taking place it's it's you have to to try to picture the larger agenda so in my view and as i've stated publicly the fundamental agenda of the launch of the ttsa was to engage the issue engage the media particularly the new york times advance the process leading to to congressional hearings Getting congressional hearings was the goal all along. And the reason is simple. For disclosure to properly take place in our society with a minimal amount of disruption and with a minimal amount of um, bad, bad press for the participants, the White House, the Congress, and so forth, even the Department of Defense, and, 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 and for the public, there should be congressional hearings. Which we well, let, me, let, me take a, let me take a step back here because um, yeah. I, I'm a little bit concerned because my understanding was the three guys left the uh, academy because the mission had shifted from, as you said, research, but more toward an entertainment aspect of yeah. it. And they that left seem, the, they that left doesn't seem the, to be a good way to go. Yeah, they left the academy because that, that was what they had to do. And it was mentioned, they mentioned that the Academy was, was involved in a, a multiple, multiple uh, mission statement. There was a number of missions there, including research and entertainment. And they mentioned that, but there was no discussion of any contratemps. Now, let me, let me again clarify. I'll get to the point, Kevin. You'll get what I'm saying here. So hearings is what the goal. We haven't had one since 1968. It was a one-day, four-witness event. It, it was basically for show. I'm sure the witnesses were serious. But And then there's every effort to get hearings since then. There have been multiple attempts. have all been blocked cold. Even though witnesses have been turning up by the scores over the last 50, 42 years, 52 years, uh, no hearings. Why? Because hearings on this issue with solid witnesses testifying under oath would clearly end the truth embargo. And the truth embargo was not to be ended yet. Okay, so now let me let me ask you a question here, because it's and taking in a little bit of a political term. Mm. um, We've had various administrations since 1968, both Democratic and Republican. Is there one party that is more prone to um, 
listening to the idea of of hearings, or are they both pretty much entrenched against the idea? It's not that simple. Both both and, and I did and I do want to get back to your original question. It's a very important point I'm making there. But uh, the uh, both parties have been part part and parcel of the truth embargo. Uh, they have not challenged it. No party has ever. But there were, there were two Democrats, congressmen, that actually moved to try to get hearings. Uh, uh, internally, it's not known to the public. I know about it because I had an insider. Uh, they were blocked by the, uh, the uh, chairman of the Senate Intelligence Committee. Uh, but both parties basically have gone along with the truth embargo. So in that sense, they're the same. However, because of a, a special circumstance that took place in 1993, when Lawrence Rockefeller calculating appropriately that the end of the Cold War and the end of the Soviet Union was now the time to wrap this up. Let's get this information out. Let's get it to the public. It's been embargoed long enough. And so he approached the Clinton administration in a serious way, resulting in what we call the Rockefeller Initiative, which went on for about three years and essentially hooked the 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 fate, fate but the, the legacy of the Clintons and the Clinton political uh, team to the issue for all time and it played out and so in the sense that there has been a lot that has taken place uh regarding the clintons and their some of their key advisors and this issue that would i could then say that the democrats are a bit more involved in this issue than the republicans uh, and that would be as far as i really could go but more in, in generally the republicans jet have a heavy reputation of being uh, better friends of defense than the Democrats. Uh, they, they're more supportive of uh, the, the defense funding needs and, and this and that. They have strong connections with military intelligence complex. And so by and large, given that the military intelligence complex has certainly been key to supporting the truth embargo and maintaining it, one would say that the Republicans are more connected to that truth embargo and more supportive of it, if not uh, implicitly. So to get back to what I was saying before, all right, hearings is what they're going to So these hearings are coming. We're getting very close. There's a lot in the works regarding that, and I can get in that in a minute. But in order to do the hearings, ultimately, they have to be negotiated. In other words, there has to be a negotiation between the uh, committee chairs and maybe other members of Congress and those that are seeking to get these hearings. And the people seeking to get these hearings are Chris Mellon and Louis Elizondo. And we'll toss in Steve Justice for, because he, he left with them. And, I, and I'm, I'm sure that there's an explanation for that. He's an extremely important person in all of this because he was the person on this To the Stars Academy team that basically represented the um, uh, uh, government contractors, the civilian uh, government Steve, contractors working Steve, with Steve, I've got to take a break here. Sure. I'm right up against my break. Sorry about that, because you were getting into the good stuff, and we'll get back to that when we, when we return. Uh, I'm here with Steve Bassett. We're talking about disclosure. We're talking about what's going on in the world of disclosure. I do want to uh, thank those of you who have purchased a copy of the Best of Project Blue Book. It's been up and down on the Amazon bestseller list a number of times. And if you enjoyed it, please rate it. And if you like, write a review because it helps spread the word. And take a look at Encounter in the Desert about the Lonnie Zamora sightings and Roswell in the 21st Century, which is a cold case look at the Roswell case. I will be back right after this with Stephen Bassett, and we'll be talking about disclosure and UFOs.
Could family genetics be a reason that no matter what we try, we still can't lose the fat and inches from our problem areas? To learn more, we spoke to Dr. Brian Strand from Sonobello. While some people can eat everything and stay thin, others diet and exercise daily and still pack on fat and inches to their problem areas. It's not your fault. It can be genetics. If you struggle to lose the fat from your tummy, love handles, thighs, and back, you're likely battling your family genetics. The good news is we have an answer. Sonobello uses a remarkable technique called microlaser fat removal. In one comfortable visit, the fat in your hardest places to lose is gone permanently. Stop wrestling with your family genes and lose the fat permanently. And right now, you can save $250. The results are life-changing. Do this for you. Don't wait. Visit sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. The we're going family style deal. Because I want a bite of your Big Mac. And I need some of your quarter pounds. I'll try your filet of fish. There's a deal for every friend group at McDonald's. Order any two classics for just six bucks. Price of participation may vary. Single item at regular price cannot be combined with any other offer. I am here with Stephen Bassett. We are practicing social distancing, he being in one state and me in another. So we can't possibly infect one another. Doing our bit for social distancing. When we went away, we were talking about um, the move toward congressional hearings and what is necessary in the um, run up to those hearings, what has to be negotiated, what has to be done. And, and I, I had to interrupt you at that point, Stephen. So please continue. So the Elizondo and Mellon were setting the stage for hearings going back almost two years. Uh, two things were going on simultaneously. Uh, Mellon was holding meetings on the Hill. He was bringing witnesses to Capitol Hill to, to brief members of Congress. Uh, I'm sure that he was focusing on certain key committees, the, the appropriate committees, and in particular, their committee chairs, such as Marco Rubio, the Senate Intelligence Committee. We don't know how many of these meetings took place, but there was more than enough time to have several dozen. <clears throat> we also know that they briefed uh, appropriately uh, the president. We don't know who was in that briefing, uh, but there's, good, there's some good indication it was a couple of the pilots and possibly Mellon was there as well, and the president was brief. Nothing really came of that, but that took place. Meanwhile, Luis Elizondo, among other things, for the last two and a half years, has been accumulating witnesses, military witnesses. Some of these have appeared on the Unidentified program. We've seen them. Uh, there were 14 episodes. Some of them even appeared in silhouette. Uh, and other witnesses have been addressed and talked about from time to time. However, uh, we're aware that scores of people were contacting Elizondo, having seen the Unidentified series, having seen the developments that were taking place, people in the military who wanted to discuss their story with him, which made them potential witnesses. And I'm sure to some degree they were vetted. How many of these potential military witnesses are queued up? We don't know, but it's probably a substantial number. So that's all been going on, very good. And they were part of the TTSA at that time. Well, let me ask you. Let me ask you a question here, because we've had military witnesses coming forward for literally decades. We've had scientists coming forward for literally decades. We've had an awful lot of that sort of thing in the in the way of testimony coming forward. But do we get to the point where there's going to be physical evidence of some sort um, 
displayed as well, or is, or is it just being a reliance on this uh, on the testimony of these military personnel? Hearings are basically about testimony. They're not about people trotting evidence and putting on the desk. That can happen, uh, and to what extent that takes place, I don't know. But uh, I know that the hearings are necessary. It's not like a trial. What happens in hearings is the Congress uses this to gather information in order for them to make informed judgment about laws, about legislation. And so they hold hearings, and people come in and give them information. They also may provide written information as well testimony on the side. They also may give give some uh, uh, classified testimony in uh, in private to members of Congress, but they hold hearings, public hearings, and these hearings are now filmed. So they're not, they're not just for the benefit of the Congress, they're benefit of the American people. It gives the American people a chance to have see this information being conveyed by people, and this is important, under oath, and thus they're being informed. It is a, a key process of democracy. And why is this most relevant here? This isn't about evidence per se. The truth embargo was a political act of government. It was a legal uh, act. It was a legal policy of government, and it was political. Embargo this issue from the American people for national security purposes. And the decision was made by the president of the United States and apparently supported by uh, all further presidents, either directly, indirectly, implicitly, or explicitly. And so now we need to end that truth embargo. Well, that's also a political process. It's how can we do this so that it's appropriate, it's not disruptive, the public gets to know what they know, the Congress gets brought into it, so the president can then make the announcement uh, in, in the appropriate way. And the appropriate way is for the president to be able to go to the American people and say, I have been watching these, these, test, these, these uh, hearings, which have been going on for several weeks now, uh, along with you. What you're saying hypothetically, I want, want, want to make it clear, the hearings aren't going on now. We're no, no, I'm saying hypothetically, this is how, how, how we make, it works. He would be able to say that. He'd say, look, I've been watching these hearings along with you, and the, the, the evidence and the testimony of these military personnel is clearly compelling. And after discussions with key congressional leaders, as well as key uh, members of the DOD, over the DOD, we have concluded that it it clearly confirms that there is an extraterrestrial presence of which we are going to certainly be providing much more about in the coming coming weeks, months, and years. Uh, and so I'm confirming you today that there's an extraterrestrial presence. This is the way it has to be done. Uh, this takes the pressure off the White House. It takes the pressure off the Congress. Everybody gets a piece of the glory. We've always known that. We've always wanted to get hearings. We couldn't get them. Because of what took place in October of 2017, the emergence of the TTSA, and the actions that have followed, and the reactions and so forth, which we could go on and talk about for the rest of this uh, interview. But well, it, it's let me, been let me, unprecedented. Let me, ask, let me ask you a question here, because um, I've watched some of these hearings on C-SPAN, and I've seen clips of it on YouTube and all that. And it always seems that there is, I don't really want to say uh, um, partisanship going on, but I wonder about um, uh, the political benefits for one, one side, whomever that might be, and the other side. And there would be a contentious uh, debate going on that might disrail, de derail the whole thing. 
if you, you want, what I'm saying if here. If you acquaint yourself with the history of hearings, you'll find that they have played an important role in American democracy. There have been many extraordinary hearings with important outcomes. In intense partisan times, the hearings tend to become show, showcases. They tend to put on a show, and they're less less uh, informative. Uh, of late, because we've been a, we're going through for the last I don't know 12 years a particularly bad hyperpartisan era. Uh, the hearings have generally not been very satisfying. But keep in mind, there are hearings going on about less uh, how would you say. Um, uh, 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 controversial issues, just fundamental hearings that really mainly get covered on C-SPAN, if at all. And these hearings are accomplishing important business, and that's taking place. We tend to see the ones where there's some big deal going on, like Benghazi or whatever. And so there's a sense that all oh, these hearings are always political and always posturing. Not really, but they are a little bit more so now. And I get that. Uh, but that is not going to happen this time, because the extraterrestrial issue and the truth embargo is basically nonpartisan. I can't imagine anything less partisan than the reality of the extraterrestrial presence. There, there, it's, there's, there's just not a political or a, 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 a angle to – I mean, let me put it this way. <clears throat> there's not a partisan angle to the, to, to the ET aspect of it. Now, in time, there may be partisan developments. This will be post-disclosure about how we're going to conduct ourselves after learning this. And we'll see how that goes. But the hearings preventing the testimony, I think you're going to see the members of Congress on their absolute best behavior. And I think the hearings will will be uh, uh, very good for these committees and for the Congress. It's going to be able to give them a chance to be nonpartisan seekers of information serving the country. Okay, now get back to the thread. So this is what we have to have. And this is where they've been going. We are now getting close to that. Why? Because the political situation changed. It changed, obviously, with the election on November the 3rd. But nobody was going to take immediate action. There was Things were going to stay pretty quiet because it's not clear what was going to happen in the next, uh, in the next uh, weeks and months. I think, I think on Je- December the 18th, when the states uh, essentially ratified, confirmed the electoral count, uh, I think they, they made some moves, and there were some developments uh, around that time. Mm-hmm. However, then things went to hell in a handbasket uh, and got very bad, and up right up until the inauguration, essentially, there was a great deal of chaos in the country. And so, again, things had to be pushed. I think they had to slow down a little bit, take their time. But however, once Biden was in office, then we had a clearly new uh, political reality. It was still not comfortable and it wasn't pretty, but it was a totally different reality and it was now possible to move forward. And as I've said publicly now, repeatedly, because I've done 50 interviews so far since January 1, I've got 15 more already booked. Uh, what I've said is this, that once Biden was president, knowing that hearings were in the works and needed to take place as soon as possible, the two principal limiting factors or uh, 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 key factors with respect to the timing was, one, the uh, vaccination rate, how fast the vaccinations got out, and two, uh, the impact of the new virus mutations. Depending upon how those went down, these hearings could take place as soon as late February, maybe even March uh, or April or perhaps later. At this point, it's looking like the soonest could be, I would say, May, early May. 
Uh, but so here's, those, here's a, that's here's it. A question. Here's a question. Aren't other governments um, aware of what's going on in the yes. extraterrestrial realm? I mean, yes. is it all focused on the United States co Congress, or are there other governments looking to well, participate in this disclosure? The, the, the work of the TTSA and Mellon and Elizondo and Justice is focused on the U.S. Congress. They're not trying to get the... the uh, Putin, you know, the, the Russian government to hold hearings. There's other things going on out there, and and there are some other heads of state could just step into this at the last minute any time. That, there's nothing we can do about that, except get the damn hearings done as soon as possible and, and get to where we need to be, and with, with any luck, it'll be our president that, that confirms the ET presence. But you're so, talking, you're, you're, you're suggesting a sense of urgency here, and I don't understand yes. your sense of urgency. Why is there this uh, sudden sense of urgency? I'll get to that in just a second. That's a very good point. Uh, so the reason, in my view, though they, they're not saying, and they're not going to say, that Mellon Elizondo and Justice had to step away from the TTSA is because once you start the negotiations, the actual discussions about, okay, how are we going to do this? They, they, the, the Congress cannot be negotiating with the Two of the Stars Academy which is as long as they are part of the Two the Stars Academy, that's what they're negotiating with. The Two the Stars Academy is a public benefit corporation that raises money. It has a multiple mission statement. It does entertainment, does a number of things. There's other people involved. You, that's not, you do it. You don't do it that way. You're going to negotiate with Mellon and Elizondo and possibly Justice individually. In other words, they are citizens, private, not connected to the organization. That's the way it had to be done. So in order to start the real negotiations, they had to step away, and I believe that's why they did. Now, why the urgency? Now, this gets interesting, all right? And there are a number of reasons why these hearings must take place as soon as possible. These are my reasons. Uh, are these reasons shared by uh, Rubio or, or Warner or the president or the DOD or anybody else? I don't know. But they're, I think, pretty clear uh, – uh, 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 it's pretty clear logic here. Here's one reason, the simple. The events that have been taking place the last three years have clearly been signaling the end of the truth embargo. I mean we're in a place we've never been before, unprecedented, uh, and developments are ongoing. Uh, you, it's hard to even keep up. I cannot keep up with all of the news developments, podcasts, new witnesses, and everything else emerging. I can't do it, and that's all I do is try to keep up. And so at any time, Putin or Xi Jinping could step in and go, oh, uh, yeah, by the way, there's an extraterrestrial presence. I'm confirming that to the 1.5 billion Chinese today. We have plenty of evidence. We'll give you what you want. And bingo, Xi Jinping is the disclosure president, and China is given an enormous uh, geopolitical advantage uh, and glory and historic this and that elevated on the world stage. Or Putin, pick your choice. So that's one reason we need to get it done. But under the way that I say it's going to happen, there is plenty of time for Putin and Xi Jinping to jump in. Maybe they will, maybe they won't, but there's nothing we can do about that except get on with business. And, and more importantly, if we're not getting on with business, if we're not trying to get the hearings together or even holding the hearings, and then Putin steps in and says there's an ET presence, the United States looks even worse. Let me, in break, words, let me break in here. We'll get okay. back to the sense of urgency and what could happen on the world stage because I've got to take a break here. Uh, there are some other fine programs about the paranormal on the X-Zone Broadcast Network at xzbn.net. Take a look at the listings at the X-Zone website, and I'm sure you're going to find something that will pique your interest. You are listening to a different perspective on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, and we'll be 
right back right after this, so please stick around. genetics be a reason that no matter what we try, we still can't lose the fat and inches from our problem areas. To learn more, we spoke to Dr. Brian Strand from Sonobello. While some people can eat everything and stay thin, others diet and exercise daily and still pack on fat and inches to their problem areas. It's not your fault. It can be genetics. If you struggle to lose the fat from your tummy, love handles, thighs, and back, you're likely battling your family genetics. The good news is we have an answer. Sonobello uses a remarkable technique called microlaser fat removal. In one comfortable visit, the fat in your hardest places to lose is gone permanently. Stop wrestling with your family genes and lose the fat permanently. And right now, you can save $250. The results are life-changing. Do this for you. Don't wait. Visit sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Could family genetics be a reason that no matter what we try, we still can't lose the fat and inches from our problem areas? To learn more, we spoke to Dr. Brian Strand from Sonobello. While some people can eat everything and stay thin, others diet and exercise daily and still pack on fat and inches to their problem areas. It's not your fault. It can be genetics. If you struggle to lose the fat from your tummy, love handles, thighs, and back, you're likely battling your family genetics. The good news is we have an answer. Sonobello uses a remarkable technique called microlaser fat removal. In one comfortable visit, the fat in your hardest places to lose is gone permanently. Stop wrestling with your family genes and lose the fat permanently. And right now, you can save $250. The results are life-changing. Do this for you. Don't wait. Visit sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. I am here with Steve Bassett. We are talking about disclosure. We were talking about the sense of urgency. But before we get to that, the website is www.paradigmresearchgroup.org. If you want to take a look at some of the things that we've been talking about here, once again, it's www.paradigmresearchgroup, all one word, all lowercase, paradigmresearchgroup.org. Stephen, when we went away, we were talking about this sense of urgency, and you were giving us a couple of reasons why there was this sense of urgency. One is to, for the United States to be the disclosure, I guess, entity, as opposed to the Chinese or the Russians. Um, I was thinking maybe the British or the French or maybe the Australians like to get into it as well, but that's a whole other argument. No, that's true. So, they could. So, so, and I know the French has done a couple, the French just did a big report on, on UFOs, and I think the, the British have been letting stuff out periodically. I'm not sure what exactly the Australians are doing at this point. Anyway, we were talking about this sense of urgency. So um, you'd given us one, one of the reasons, and mm-hmm. I think there were others you were about to, to yes. enumerate. And I was pointing out that uh, again, if we're not just if we're not doing hearings, if we're not following what what is in the works, and then Putin or somebody were to do it, I say particularly Putin and Xi Jinping. If one of our allies, like Canada or something or France, were to do it, it would be less damaging to us. But if it's Putin or Xi Jinping, it's a disaster. So um, uh, if we're not doing that, we looks even worse because the the, the world will see United States 
clinging to the truth embargo until the last dog dies, determined to never tell the world the truth about the ET presence. Absolutely never going to happen. And then, boom, we get it from Vladimir Putin. This is not a circumstance we want to be in. Okay. The second reason is more complicated. But uh, let me put it this way. Uh, uh, President Biden stepped into a situation which is comparable to what FDR stepped into in 1933. It's a mess. It's a disaster. Uh, And the problems that need to be dealt with immediately are huge. And it's going to be a rough road. It's going to be very difficult. Uh, And the way you you, uh, solve problems when you're the president of the United States is by spending political capital. You come in to the White House with X amount of political capital and you start spending it in order to get things done. I don't know enough about the FDR administration. I may go and look at it because I'm fascinated by the time. But FDR apparently was had the political capital and started spending it and, and was able to get some extraordinary things underway. Some worked, some didn't. But most people agree he saved the countries, took us. So he, Biden's in a similar situation. I mean, how, how, how strong is the situation? As much money as had to be spent now on the crisis developed by the virus that was spent in World War II. And so that's how expensive the situation is, and that's just one of the problems he's facing. Okay, now, I calculate this, that if hearings were held quickly early in, in the administration when the, the, the biggest struggle is going to take place, uh, and Joseph Biden, Joseph Robinette Biden, becomes the disclosure president. He is the one able to tell the world, yes, there is an extraterrestrial presence. And do it in a way that's constructive and appropriate, following hearings uh, that go on for weeks by military witnesses who have taken an oath to serve and taking another oath when they testify. The, he will achieve at that moment one of the greatest political legacies in history. He will be elevated on the world stage. And that will give him an enormous amount of additional political capital, which he, he then can use to get the legislation needed to deal with the problems that we face, not only internally, but also problems we face elsewhere. The political capital, for instance, to possibly uh, really begin a Marshall program to deal with the triangle in Central America and also to some degree Mexico so that we can provide uh, a a situation down there where people don't want to leave because it's relatively a nice place to live instead of hell on earth and having to flee to America by the thousands. And I could list a thousand, a hundred things like that. And so one reason we need to get the hearings right now and get disclosure done is so the president can be given that political capital to use the benefit of the country. But what happens if the rest of the world comes out and says, hey, this this is untrue. There's no there's no extraterrestrial presence. And so that's the it's now the United States standing alone. The odds of that happening are about as likely as you winning the Powerball with 50 tickets. It's not going to happen. But I've won the Powerball. I just got seven bucks from them. Uh, yeah. yeah. And, and, and spend that seven bucks wisely, but uh, not in service to that particular um, uh, speculation. The rest of the world is not going to uh, say it's not true, Kevin. Well, I, I just I don't see a real benefit to announcing disclosure at this point in time. I just gave you two. 
and and I understood that that, but I don't I don't understand the benefits because of all the other things going on, and this this disclosure is going to disrupt society even more so than what's going on now. Disrupt society. Disrupt society. There's all sorts of studies of what happens when no, a technologically all. superior uh, civilization contacts a uh, technologically inferior civilization. Sorry, I'm stumbling for the words here. Um, that technologically inferior civilization ceases to exist. And it seems to me that um, we're now, we would be at that point where we now know that interstellar flight is possible and all the benefits to derive from that. And that would, that could undermine, undermine the pinnings of our society. For example, uh, it would wean us off oil almost immediately. And we got a collapse of the uh, fossil fuels industry, which is going to throw literally millions and millions of people out of work around the world. And that would be a big sociological problem. What can I say, Kevin? I don't agree with a single word you just said. Uh, it's old thinking. It's no longer valid. Um, if you're talking about these studies, Margaret Mead, some of the historical accounts of the Aztecs and the, and the Native American Indians destroyed by the Europeans and all this, yeah, I get it. That was a long, long time ago. We are not the Aztecs, and the ETs are not the Spanish, right? We are not Native I, Americans. I said and, nothing about conquest. No, you said, you said it virtually destroyed them. You said it, it I didn't disrupted. Say conquest. I said destroyed them because the introduction yeah, of that technology them. is what oh, no, no. could destroy the, them. No, the, Spanish were able, the Spanish were able to destroy the Aztecs because they had superior technology. They could have come and worked out things with them and, and, uh, and had trade agreements with them and not destroyed them but, and used the technology to destroy them. But they chose to do it. And we were able to destroy the Indians because we had superior technology. And that is the message that's been put out there by skeptics and debunkers going back several decades. The ETs have superior technology. Therefore, once they engage us, they will destroy us. Therefore, we can't disclose their presence. Well, this is totally bogus. The ETs are already engaging us. They have been present for a very long time. So, in other words, the Spanish are already here. <clears throat> if they wanted to quote, what technological what technological benefit have we received from the extraterrestrials? I'm not suggesting that we have gotten any technological benefit. I'm saying see, that's my that's my point. My point, and I can I can point to a very simple study that took place. I believe it was in Africa, where the anthropologist went in with steel axes. And to get the people to talk to him, he would offer them a steel axe. But the society was based on this idea that if you needed an axe, you had to go to the headmen or the leaders of that society to get the, uh, get the use of a stone axe. A steel axe is far superior to a stone axe, and that undercut part of the opinions of that society. It wasn't conquest. It wasn't a force of arms. It was a mere introduction of the technology. Kevin, this is 2021. We are an extremely advanced global civilization. Steel axes and stones from Africa years ago have no bearing on this whatsoever. No, the point is, the point simply is the introduction of the technology. And what technology oh, could okay. be introduced to the, our society from the extraterrestrials okay. is what the problem is. Fine. Okay, but the issue it, it being discussed is disclosure. It's not the introduction of any technology. I'm not saying that within the next weeks or months, the extraterrestrials are going to introduce technology. I'm saying that in the next weeks or months, if all goes uh, as according to plan, I think, 
we're going to get the confirmation of their presence. That's all. Now, whether or not the ETs introduce technology is another matter. One could make the case that once we acknowledge them, well, then the ETs will go, wow, you've acknowledged them, so here's a bunch of technology. I don't know that. They may, they may, there, there may be, there's going to be, let me put it this way. After disclosure, don't expect any ET technology. Uh, expect uh, the human race to engage the ET issue in an intense way. And all your books will, <laughs> will well, you, you should probably reissue all your UFO books for sure in multiple editions. You'll sell a lot of them. And so there's going to be a lot of that. Now, at some point, the world is going to be so up to speed, I guess you could say, on the actual history of the ET reality. And we'll have information from private as well as government sources that I believe the extraterrestrials would then be comfortable and feel it appropriate to then openly engage us. And I call that open contact. And I put that two years out. Now, what is open contact? Open contact for the extraterrestrials are basically now communicating with us in an open fashion. It may be through the UN or a new organization. Uh, they're not going to just be sending emails out to 7 billion people, but they'll be interacting and this will be recorded. It will be known. It will be presented to the people. We're now talking with these entities. They're saying this. We're saying that. Now, where that goes, I don't know. Would it lead to the introduction of ET technology? I don't know. It might. It might not. But everybody will have an opportunity to have a say in that because the truth embargo will be over. We no longer be stumbling around in the, the, uh, the, uh, the, the living room in the dark, stubbing our toe in every piece of furniture because the government has decided to lie to us for 74 years. So ET tech, I don't know. It could happen. It might not happen. And also, it's also the case that ET could destroy us anytime. They're already here. If they wanted to go medieval on us and basically do to us what the Spanish did to the Aztecs, they could do it tomorrow. And so that's kind of a moot point. They're going to do what they're going to do. What matters now are what are we going to do? And what and we well, need to do wait, wait, is to stop this embargo. You bring up an interesting point, though. Mm -hmm. and, and, it's, and it's one that I've thought about a number of times as well. If they want to destroy us uh, in, in a, a, con a conquest, they certainly have the capability of doing it, and, and there's nothing there's nothing at all that we can do about it. Wouldn't right. that in itself introduce panic into the, the public, suddenly realizing, oh, my God, they're here, and we don't know what their mo motives are? Uh, I think, I, yeah, um, I think, you know, I just, I just finished reading again Witness to Roswell, which is an extraordinary book. It's just an absolutely extraordinary book. I mean, you've written books about Roswell. Of course, you've written even one, I think maybe two, with, uh, with Don Schmidt. But Don, uh, the, uh, Carrie and Schmidt's book, Amidst to Roswell, is extraordinary. And one of the things that I noticed about that book, or about the content, was this. There were a number of people who became aware of what happened, were there when it happened, uh, saw bodies, saw wreckage, and so forth, uh, who took it in stride. Uh, I was like, well, this is pretty interesting, whatever. Uh, and uh, how many? Many, I'm sure. But there were clearly a number of people who it just shook them to their foundation. They were upset. Uh, they cried. Uh, some of them had PTSD. And some of them, uh, you know, had serious consequences. And so I noted that. Though it is also worth noting that one of the chief reasons for, how would you say, trauma 
from the Roswell incident for witnesses wasn't just the fact that smelly bodies were were uh, uh, found and taken into the hospital, but because in the coming weeks, the military went around to a very substantial number of people in that town, uh, scores, possibly hundreds, and threatened with them with death. In other words, if you talk about this, we're going to kill you. We're going to kill your family. Witness after witness reported that. And that's just the ones that were interviewed. God let knows me, how many of these me, Let me break in here. Let me break yeah. in here because we're running sure. up against the, the clock again. And when we come back, I want to explore this idea that, that dozens and dozens of people were threatened with death because I have a different take on that now after a lot of my research as well and my experiences in the military. I'm here with Stephen Bassett. We're talking about disclosure. We're talking about the benefits of disclosure or the lack of benefits, the, the possible outcomes of disclosure. And uh, his website is www.paradigmresearchgroup.org. I'm at www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com. And we will be back right after this. So please stick around. Is Stephen Bassett? He has not stopped off, stomped off in anger, and neither have I. <laughs> so we'll be we'll, we'll continue our discussion. When we went away, um, Stephen had mentioned uh, a number of people being threatened with death um, after they're witnessing a part of the Roswell case. I looked at this question in depth in Roswell in the 21st century. A number of those people who made those claims are not credible witnesses any longer. I'm thinking specifically of Glenn Dennis here is one of those. There were many military people, I think, were probably more threatened with this is a classified operation. Ergo, if you disclose any part of it to those not cleared to hear this information, you could face imprisonment and fines. I think at the time it was... Uh, 20 years and $20,000 or, or something like that. It may have it's certainly gone up since then. Uh, the point simply is, I think that in the enthusiasm of our research into Roswell, that um, we thought that it, it, the idea that these people were threatened with death and destruction was, was overplayed, I think. Um, there are there are credible people who have suggested. I'm thinking Frankie Rose specifically here, who was told that if they talked about it, her parents would end up at Orchard, Orchard Park, which was uh, during World War II a POW camp, and it was being used for some kind of a, a facility still in that day, uh, things like that. So it may have been just an, uh, a threat like that even though the military really didn't have any uh, authority to make those sorts of threats. But I think I think that aspect of the case has been a little bit overblown, and I wanted to make that clear before we continued on. Leaving that aside, you had a, you wanted to take us in a different direction now. Uh, Steve, you had something that I had interrupted, and we got off on yeah. that tangent. Um, I think that... I, I am quite sure that if General Ramey had not... If Truman, Truman had not acted as quickly as as he did, because I'll assume the order had to come from Truman to Ramey, 
to do what Ramey did um, and reverse the story before any series reporters got to Roswell. Uh, I, I don't know if any of them actually did. I think the Life magazine reporter got there, but he was actually uh, taken to a false location. Um, that in this issue had gotten out, disclosure would have happened. The ET reality would have been known in 1947. Uh, and it wouldn't be some broadcast on a radio by Orson Welles uh, creating a false invasion to be an entertainment show. It was misunderstood. It would be a, a, a confirmation from extraordinary uh, event that took place in Roswell. Uh, I'm quite sure that the the men and women who successfully defeated the Axis powers in World War II and went through living hell, and the public, which was aware of what happened in that war, aware of what happened in Germany, the genocides, everything else that went on there, that the American people and the world's people, certainly in the, West, in, in the developed world, would have been profoundly affected by, would have been surprised, but I don't think they would have come apart at the seams. I think the vast majority of people would have said, well, the world's an interesting place. And uh, we're now in a post-war time, and let's address this. There probably would have been a number of incidents where people acted badly. Uh, and nations might have gotten a little bit worked up and been concerned about the impact of this new truth on the geopolitics of the time. But uh, given what we just got, they've just gone through in World War II, uh, it couldn't have been worse than that and probably would have been okay. So overall, I think it would have worked out. Now, let's jump forward. Uh, 75 years uh, in those in the past 75 years the, the human race has been drenched in extraterrestrial cultural uh, information of every type hundreds of movies tens of thousands of books TV series documentaries interviews and on and on and on uh, and these movies, I'm talking about movies now, big films, were seen by billions of people have watched these films you know, collectively. And so the idea of the extraterrestrial is completely part of the global culture. You probably you would have to go very far to find somebody who doesn't know what an extraterrestrial would generally be. It's some being from another place. UFO, totally, 100% virtual market penetration. And so this idea that if now we disclose that, yeah, they're here. Right. And in fact, most people go, well, I heard that they've been here for quite a while. Yeah, well, yeah, they've been here for quite a while. This idea that now all chaos is going to reign and politics is going to be disrupted and nations are going to and tectonic plates will move. No, that is just propaganda. It's been put out for decades, either deliberately or intentionally or unintentionally is fundamentally will be viewed as propaganda designed to service the truth embargo, listing various bogus reasons why this embargo must remain in place. Uh, truth embargo over all. This 75-year, 24-7, day-to-day lie in, in, uh, perpetrated on the world's people by their own governments must continue. Well, isn't, isn't this whole no thing? Isn't justified. this whole thing about power? Everything's about power one way or another. And so right? the, by keeping this information under wraps, they're maintaining their power. Actually, they're, they're undermining their power because power, and, and particularly in democracies, is fundamentally based upon trust. If you have 
high approval rating, if you've got strong trust by the people in government institutions, you can do lots of things. Okay. If you don't have that trust, then in order to exercise power, you have to use authoritarian uh, means, crush people, uh, kill people, imprison people. Well, in democracies, you don't want to do that. And so in a democracy, if you want to maintain power, you need to maintain trust. And this truth embargo has been a key factor in undermining trust of the American people in their government. For 75 years, every year, more and more people, millions and millions of people have come to understand that this is a lie and that the government has been keeping this uh, embargo all of this time. And as we've seen trust in government erode, we've seen government power erode. Government can't get anything done. It's, it's hyper-partisan. They can't fix a bridge. They can't do agree into anything. There's huge distrust. Uh, you've got people now trolling you know, the politicians and others on the Internet. Uh, nobody knows what the truth is anymore. The Internet is turned of a massive disinformation source itself. Well, I so would say they the have undermined their power. The mainstream, media has turned it, the mainstream media has turned into a massive uh, area of misinformation sure. as well. Sure, sure. Misinformation generates more inf misinformation. Institutional dysfunction spreads like a virus. All right. So if the government is, is lying, other people are going to lie. People are lying to support the other lie, whatever. It, it's a it's a degradation in the social contract. And so trust in government has always been very low. It's gotten extraordinary low. In fact, I've said many times the trust level that the American people have in their institutions right now. In mo many other cases would have resulted in the end of that country. It would result in a failed state. But we have such a, a, a pretty strong – we have such a strong constitution, and we have done well enough, long enough, that as this has developed in the last 70 years, we've been able to keep it together. But you may have noticed that lately we're really struggling a lot harder to keep it together. And so, again, ending this truth embargo and bringing more trust back to government uh, – uh, more trust in government from the people – is going to increase government power, but increase it in a positive way, giving isn't, the government positive power to do what needs to be done. Isn't that kind of a contradiction? Well, we've been lying to you for 70 years, but now you can trust us on this. Uh, let me tell you something, Kevin. I've said many times. I, I don't know if you've ever had anybody in your life who's lied to you. I mean, really lied to you. Or if you've encountered a, a pathological liar. All right. But if you have... What happens is, is the you have to you lose complete trust in that person. In other words, you've lied to me repeatedly over and over again. Could be a son, could be a daughter, could be a wife, could be a coworker. Uh, I cannot believe anything you say. Okay, fine. Now, how would you correct that? One would say you can't. You cannot correct it. You can never believe what that person says. So, if it's a wife, get a divorce. If it's a son, throw them out of the house. But no, you can't do that. And so, how can you restore the relationship? There is only one way. There is only one way. If you've got another way, let me know. The person that has been lying has got to start telling the truth. Now, the first truth they tell may be subject to considerable speculation. But the second one, the third one, the fourth one, the fifth one, people will, you know, the father would say to the son, oh, son, I appreciate you've been very truthful about these things and, and the relationship will be restored. And so the only way the United States can regain the trust of the American people, which it sometimes has hit for the Congress, 8%, is to start telling the American people the truth, not about one thing, 
not about small things, but many truths about big things and take the responsibility and take the accountability. Maybe even apologize, whatever the hell. And tell the truth. I'm sorry, Dad, I lied to you. But the truth is, this is what happened. That is the only way. Kevin, if you've got another way for the United States government to regain the trust of American people, please tell me. I, I want to know. Well, I can think of a number of ways. And one of them would be to stop the uh, strictly partisan operations on both sides of the aisle. But that's an argument for a different program and not mine. Well, you can um, be nonpartisan. I'm gonna have to, you can be I'm, nonpartisan. I'm going to have to end it there, Steve. I'm going to have to end it there because I'm out of time. Okay. The, the website is www.paradigmresearchgroup.org. And do you have anything, any lectures or anything coming up you'd like to talk about quickly? I don't. My, my, I have a podcast that's just getting going. It's called the DisclosureWire.org. Everybody has a podcast, uh, so I'm going to have one, but uh, it'll be a while. I hope to get another thing up soon. Just uh, paradigmresearchgroup.org. If you go to that website, you can sign up for the free newsletter that updates uh, uh, there. And please follow me, follow Paradigm Research Group on Twitter and Facebook. Well, thank you, Steve. Appreciate you taking an hour out of your busy day to uh, help us understand the aspects of disclosure. It is always my pleasure, Kevin. Thank you, Steve. Next week, I'm going to be talking to Lawrence Spencer. He claims to have uh, received documentation from a medical technician, not a nurse, medical technician, at, at uh, Roswell back in 1947 to talk about her experiences there and some of her philosophies that she supposedly gained through her telepathic communications with an alien that survived the crash at Roswell. We'll take a look at that and see where we're going and see what kind of evidence uh, we can get out of that. In coming weeks, I hope to be talking to a number of other people. I'm hoping to get Mike... Sh Shermer back on the program. We uh, talk a little bit about skepticism and how that all operates in the world arena. And uh, looking for ways of examining both sides of the issues here in UFOs, uh, the true believer as opposed to the debunker, uh, the true skeptic and the true researcher seeing how we can bring that sort of together, maybe get some kind of an idea of exactly what is going on out there uh, in the world around us. You know, I've looked at an awful lot of stuff in the last, oh, several weeks about UFOs, and I have to tell you, I keep bouncing back and forth. I see things that seem extraordinarily uh, mysterious, and you dig a little deeper and the, the mystery vanishes and you find something that doesn't seem to be that interesting, and yet there are aspects of it that just aren't easily explainable. You know, and uh, looking for ways to introduce multiple chains of evidence into the UFO research, and by multiple chains, I mean not just witness testimony, but radar, pictures, electromagnetic effects, landing traces, all of that sort of thing brought into it. So you have multiple chains of evidence leading us in a direction as opposed to just the uh, idea of a witness telling us one thing and we having to accept exactly what he or she says as the gospel, that sort of thing. So we'll take a look at some of those things in upcoming shows as well, because I think that's important to look at all of that sort of thing. And as I say, um, I think that Roswell in the 21st century, it was a look at the cold case, look at Roswell as a cold case and eliminate some of the witnesses that 
um, seemed very credible in the beginning, but have lost their luster simply because we've learned more about them and learned more about what was going on in New Mexico in 1947. I think you need to take a look at that. Encounters in the Desert is an important book uh, because it talks about the Lani Zamora case. And coming up in just a couple of weeks, I have a book coming out called UFOs in the Deep State. And I think it touches on a little bit of what we were discussing here today. So that might be something you'll be looking for uh, coming up in May. You have been listening to A Different Perspective on the X-Zone Broadcast Network. I'll be back in 167 hours, so please stick around and thank you for turning, tuning in. Could family genetics be a reason that no matter what we try, we still can't lose the fat and inches from our problem areas? To learn more, we spoke to Dr. Brian Strand from Sonobello. While some people can eat everything and stay thin, others diet and exercise daily and still pack on fat and inches to their problem areas. It's not your fault. It can be genetics. If you struggle to lose the fat from your tummy, love handles, thighs, and back, you're likely battling your family genetics. The good news is we have an answer. Sonabello uses a remarkable technique called microlaser fat removal. In one comfortable visit, the fat in your hardest places to lose is gone permanently. Stop wrestling with your family genes and lose the fat permanently. And right now, you can save $250. The results are life-changing. Do this for you. Don't wait. Visit sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save.